Hello and welcome to this GCP short produced in partnership with Maxis Global Benefits Network and all about reinsuring medical programs with a captive. As ever, we are pleased to have a client perspective in this employee benefits episode. So joining us is Nakisha Tyrrell, Head of Underwriting at the HSBC Group Captive and Nicola Fordham, Chief Underwriting Officer at Maxis. Nicola and Nikisha go on to discuss what we mean by medical cover in the context of international employee benefits programs, why it is rarely added to captives immediately, the advantages of and rationale for writing it, and how challenges such as medical inflation can be managed. But Nikisha begins by telling us a bit about the HSBC captive's background and her own role. The HSBC captive has been around for a few years. It moved to, relocated to Bermuda back in 2006. So we write employee benefits as well as property and casualty. Um, And we pretty much, in regards to employee benefits, we have a mandate in place that requires, where possible, everything is to be seeded into our captive. So we work very closely with our local HR, procurement teams, as well as our insurable risk team in the center. Fantastic. And what's your role uh, at the captive? Um, Yeah, so head of underwriting. So I lead a very small team. Actually, the Bermuda captive is a pretty small team. When we're fully staffed, it's probably nine of us. (laughs) So we look to grow. But um, as head of underwriting, I have to basically um, look at all risks, EB and PNC business. I think that's that's pretty interesting that you say nine people because that's nine more than most captives (laughs) have in terms of employees. So it might feel like a small team to you, but in the grand scheme of things, it's on the larger end of the scale. Um, Nicola, perhaps a good place to start on this tip on this topic from you is it's maybe tell us and our listeners a little bit about what we mean when we talk about medical insurance in this context okay so medical insurance uh, can also be called health insurance so it's basically covering the cost of medical care so whether that be inpatients outpatients needing to see a doctor a specialist some kind of physio treatment your operations that kind of thing maternity dental optical Um, but it means different things in different countries depending on the spectrum that the like the state provides so you said there obviously medical cover uh, means different things in different territories and it's something that i i don't know why i keep asking the question nicola because i think it sounds simple but i keep forgetting exactly what medical is uh, as part of the wider employee benefits discussion so in terms of what it means then territory by territory is it does it is it depending more on kind of local healthcare services and infrastructure because obviously somewhere like the uk you've got nhs other other territories it's more privatized medical yeah so if you think about like the uk so we have a really good state nhs system here they'll really look after you if you have something critical so heart attack uh, possibly a cancer treatment that kind of thing but if you need something that's not so critical um, maybe some physio because you've hurt your shoulder then you go on a waiting list and you'll have to wait in line because it's not such high a priority so that's where an employer can step in with a private medical program now you can obviously buy those individually but a group allows the employer to to support their employees get them back to work quicker perhaps or um, or to help their family out and support them and take that 
that burden off of them for those more peripheral treatments. But then if you flip to some of the other countries where you don't have the state support or you don't have such good state support, then you need insurance. And of course, then you go further onto the spectrum, somewhere like the US, where there is almost nothing mm. and insurance is, is mandatory. So it gives the, the opportunity for an employer to fund certain parts of that. But even in the US, you will never have anything that is fully funded. And for all of the treatments, the employees are naturally paying a supplement of of that treatment so it depends on on what's needed where uh, across the board but it allows employers to give their employees that choice around uh, what treatment they have and, and perhaps helping them out when they need to so the reason we're talking about this is that we're talking about it obviously in the context of captives as ever um how common is it then for uh, international employee benefits programs reinsured by captives to include medical and, and why has maybe well has maybe medical not traditionally been included as readily such as um long-term illness life mm. and disability covers so perhaps the original points of putting employee benefits into a program particularly a captive program was around leveraging the underwriting margins that were there and for medical you don't tend to have such um, wide margins the reason being because the there are so many more claims that come under your medical treatment so uh, there's so many more times that as an employee you're going to access that medical treatment than you would perhaps your life uh, insurance and so the claims experience becomes really credible and so therefore you can then price basically at your claims cost plus your expenses and you don't need such a margin for for the volatility so it then became at the beginning of putting employee benefits into global programs there wasn't such an attraction about putting medical in because you weren't able to leverage those underwriting profits but now what we're seeing is that employers are understanding that actually there are other reasons for including those types of programs into uh, policies into your programs because it's not just about underwriting margin anymore it's about having the control uh, being able to set levels of benefit being able to to control the the budget and, the, and smooth out pricing and so on and so forth. So it makes much more sense to include medical into your employee programs now and then gets you the access to the data which allows you to really understand the metrics that are going on in your underlying medical policies. In terms of your book of business at Maxis then, kind of what proportion of, of the book is, is writing medical uh, reinsured to the captive? So I think broadly um, about two thirds of our portfolio of captives have medical included. It tends to be, so our newer captives tend to not necessarily go for medical first uh, and pick something a bit safer in the life uh, space or the lump sum space. But there is definitely more of a trend towards moving uh, these medical plans into the into the policies. Again, maybe picking and choosing which ones they go for, so not necessarily some of the, the big, huge French medical straight away, um, but perhaps uh, moving towards some of the other ones. Uh, but definitely a trend of, of getting more medical into our captive programmes. And luckily, we have with us uh, a captive who has done this already and has got medical in their captive. So Nikita, can you tell us when HS BC decided to include medical in its um, captive EB program and kind of what was the thinking behind that decision? So the thinking in general, I think I had mentioned, was in regards to this EB standard that we've put in place. So that covered EB coverage that was locally, um, they wanted it reinsured, whether it was medical, life, disability, what have you. And the reason it was more stability, streamlining, retaining any profits, data, 
everything um, that was just mentioned. But from the beginning, we've always had medical um, included in our captive for the various reasons that were discussed. And how has the, the medical program changed or been tailored over time? And kind of what has been your experience today? I presume it's a, a positive experience. <laughs> exactly. Otherwise, you wouldn't be doing it anymore. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> no, it definitely has. And because we work so closely with HR teams, um, we've been able to provide comfort locally that we'll write whatever, not whatever they want, but we'll basically be flexible enough because there are things that not, not necessarily cover it locally, that because it's 100% reinsured into our captive, we can take those claims on. Um, so yeah, we've been able to provide benefits um, that may have been a bit more generous that they'll get in the market because again, we write it 100%. Yeah, and it's one of the reasons why I think captive owners, when they are implementing such great employee benefits programs, reinsured by the captive should be shouting about it a lot more because it is generally providing value to employees. Absolutely, and our captive is a not-for-profit captive. So obviously we write, we cover our margins, and then where we do experience any profits, we have a pool that eventually goes back to local companies for wellness initiatives. Fantastic. That's a whole other topic we can talk about another time as well. No, <laughs> jump the agenda. <laughs> no, I'd love, I'd love to talk about that further with you. So, uh, Nicola, as there is typically typically lower margin and lower underwriting profit, as we've discussed, is this more of a, a kind of good for business strategy, good for people strategy, rather than a, a pure financial decision? I'm, I'm thinking of you know a training and attracting talent, the wellness initiatives that Nikita just touched upon. So absolutely. So yeah, the the fundamental you're talking about covering your people and you want your people to be at work, being productive, being able to do the job that you're paying them for. And so being able to ensure that if they need medical treatment or their family needs medical treatment, that they can access that because you can provide the appropriate insurance that's available in the local markets means that you then are helping your employees be at work and be fully present uh, and able to be as productive as they need to be. But then also it's around the data. So as we touched on already, being able to, you have so many claims on medical. <laughs> so so for all of us underwriters, you get very excited about the, the ability to be able to see where your trends are coming from. So you can see whether um, you have an increase in utilization or whether the cost of the treatment that is being used is just going up and that's driving some costs or are there a change in, in um, trends in what people are accessing, which then allows you to, to decide is your programme providing that correctly? So are your employees choosing to use a more expensive hospital and could they perhaps be tempted to use a, a slightly cheaper hospital with some copay or something complying to the expensive one? So they still have the same level of treatment, it's just costing you less. Or is there wellness initiatives that we touched on? So perhaps if you see, I don't know, maybe diabetes uh, is becoming more of a problem within your staffing. So then an educational program around that. So not even wellness that costs money particularly, just something that's educational around people uh, looking after themselves and getting uh, preventative treatment. And it's all of this kind of stuff that allows you to, to really have control over that if you have the data and if you also have the global mandate that comes from it being part of a captive program so that you can insist on some of these changes are made um, becomes much more of a longer term play rather than just a purchase of a short term insurance policy. 
I completely agree. Mm-hmm. I mean, as we've grown and collected more data, you're absolutely right. We've been in a position to kind of make changes, have those discussions mm-hmm. locally with HR teams. I remember one example, you know, we could see out of network. It was like, why is this happening in this particular country? And it was something as simple as it was next door. It, it was just that yeah. simple. And so we've been able to, you know, get that into the program, just a quick switch, just like that. So. And what Nikisha means by out of network is that each of the insurers that you work with will have a network of like preferred providers that they yeah. have good costs with. It means that you can your employees can choose to go out of network, but maybe there's there's something that like a copay or something that's going with them. But like you say, you'll be surprised about how many people just choose the doctor surgery that's next door, the physio that's opposite, something like that. So understanding that maybe you can work with the insurance company to bring that into network or increase some kind of copay to encourage a better choice from your employees to just choose one that's maybe a little bit further down the road but giving the same level of cover but costing you less. I'm glad you defined out of network because it was something I only became uh, aware of when I lived in New York and suddenly I had to deal with deal with private health insurance provided by my company. Uh, it wasn't particularly good. I don't, I don't, they definitely weren't using the captive. Um, and yeah, out of network became something which I became familiar with. I just want to drill down quickly onto the, onto the claims activity if, if possible. You mentioned there's a lot of claims in medical Obviously, this being the fronted program, that's on the front, the local networks to handle claims locally before they're reinsured. Is that right? That's right. So uh, what will happen is the the insurer will will deal with paying those claims. Uh, And this, again, is when the medical market has matured. So a few years ago, you maybe had to, the employees were paying for it themselves. They then had to fill in some paperwork, submit a form. Uh, to claim the costs back or they had to go to certain network providers to have it. Whereas now there's a lot more around app-based, online things, you know, uh, perhaps if you're talking about your dental, you go to your dentist, you get your bill, you send a photograph of your bill and upload it uh, into a portal. And, you know, if it, if it meets all the criteria, the insurance company is paying. So the insurer will, the fronting company, the seeding company, will deal with, with all of that and will make those, those payments. And then they will flow through the reinsurance on a quarterly basis back to the captive. And so the data for that, the, those claims may come on an aggregated basis. But what we see our captives craving more and more is to actually understand yeah. that individual data. And again, because they want to do their own trends analysis and understand what's what's coming from that. Nikita, we've talked a bit about the flexibility and, and the ability to tailor benefits or enhance them when the captive is more involved. Can you give any examples of how this has manifested itself for, for yourselves in medical? We do have some policies where locally, you know, what can be covered, what can't, it's very clear what can and cannot be covered. Um, there have been instances where, you know, maybe someone for whatever reason needed an extra enhancement to the benefit it depended on the type of employee as well perhaps hit a limit exactly it could be for any number of reasons um we'll get an email ex gratia can you approve this can you um you know this is a one-off or whatever the case may be we've had a few of those um where we've then eventually okay, why don't we put that as a cover in the plan? So we have noticed where we see these claims, these ex gratia payments coming up, and it's, okay, maybe you should consider adding that as a as a benefit in the plan. So we have had that over the years across various markets. So you, are, you can literally kind of live time tailor Exactly, exactly. I mean, we've had a few maternity situations where mm. we've had to be really quick to respond and confirm that cover is in order. 
fantastic. So, uh, Nicola, just lastly, then we, we talk, you know, we talk a lot, I and mean, we hear a lot about medical inflation and the, and, and the costs of medical inflation. And we've you already touched upon the fact that this isn't a line of insurance which is driven by a profit motive. It is it is low margin stuff. Obviously, the captive doesn't want to be losing money though, even if it is a kind of a non profit captive. So, is there not a risk to the captive if if medical inflation gets out of control, or can it be can it be easily controlled through this approach? So, so not easily, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think it can be controlled. So it's where where the underwriting piece comes in really carefully. So when you're medic when you're underwriting medical, what you look at is uh, what has your claims experience been for say the last twelve months. Um, again, because of the number of claims and because of the way medical works in the 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 um, the way people the attitudes they have, the different way they claim, think of how COVID impacted that kind of stuff. Things change quickly, so you don't really want to take a long period on a claims view for medical. You take quite a short period, so maybe considering twelve months. You want to adjust that claims cost by headcount changes, by changing benefits, other things that have happened, and you come up with you know what you think your expected cost is, and then what you want to do is adjust that for trend, and then add your expenses on. So by adjusting for trend, what you're looking at is um, what your medical cost you in January 2021 is not what it cost you in January 22, and it's not what it's going to cost you in 23. It'll naturally increase. Um, Because of the inflation within the country, because of the strength against the dollar, because a lot of medical is is purchased in dollars, like the the pharmaceuticals and the equipment, Um, but also because treatments move on, new pharmaceuticals are coming through, new treatments are becoming available. And so there'll be this trend piece. And so what the what you'll look at is what we're seeing across the whole country. Uh, and they're very country specific, the trends, because things move differently in different countries. Mm. You'll also look at what's happening for the seeding companies. So they'll be monitoring this on their portfolio, um, in some cases almost on a monthly basis, to keep track of how the costs are moving around. And that again goes back to the network that they use. So the, the deals that they've negotiated with the hospitals that they're using will drive how expensive or not the increases are. And you take all of that into account um, to adjust your claims cost to then predict what do you think that claims cost is going to look like for the for the next 12 months. And then if you put some cost containment measures in, um, you can adjust because of that, add your expenses on. So it's controllable because as long as you get that right, then you should have the prediction forward. Yeah, what I was going to say or add to that, I completely agree. I'm not disagreeing, but how we also... I know you mentioned taking a shorter approach, whereas we take a more longer view. So we don't look at just the last 12 months. Mm -hmm. We'll definitely look at at least the last three to five years of history of what's going on for our medical plans, um, as well as our life and disability as well. But when it comes to medical, you're right, we're not pricing for inflation. Just because inflation went up 6%, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going up for 6%. But yes, we take all of that into account. We do look at the history. We want to see what's going on. If the benefit hasn't changed, has the demographic itself changed? Like there's a few more factors that we also consider um, as well. In addition to, okay, local HR, we have that discussion with them. What's going on? What do you see? Um, what budgets do they exactly. have? What budgets do they have? So yeah, we take all of that into, into account as well. 
Well, thank you to Nicola Fordham at Maxis and Nakisha Tyrell at HSBC for that really valuable discussion. If you would like more information on the Maxis Global Benefits Network and their captive services, then do visit their friend of the podcast page on the Captive Intelligence website. There are links in the episode show notes. In the meantime, stay safe, stay well, and see you next time, captives.